Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I'm going to warn you this morning, you are all probably going to have this urge to want to clear your throat. Uh, I woke up this morning and this is what, actually it's improved. Um, So uh, bear with me and if you need to clear your throat, I appreciate the empathy, okay? Um, We're starting this new series, uh, God is Speaking, and hopefully in a clearer voice than mine. Um, But it's, uh, one of the things I truly do believe is that God is constantly speaking to us. Um, And and when he speaks, he is calling us to new steps of faith, um, next steps of faith, um, trust and obedience. He's calling us into a deeper relationship with him and And maybe it's a greater involvement in the work that he's doing in this world. But I really do believe that God is constantly speaking to us. And wherever you're at um, in your faith journey, whether you are just beginning that journey or you're far along that path, or maybe you're even here this morning and you're kind of in that investigating, um, figuring it out process, and you're not really sure what you believe or what this is all about, and Christmas is a time you should start going to church, so that's why you showed up this morning. Um, What I want you to understand is God has been speaking to you all of your life. Whether you've recognized it or not, whether you've seen it or not, uh, whether you've heard it or not, God is constantly speaking. And sometimes it's through our life circumstances. Um, Maybe a job opportunity opens up and you're wondering what is the right choice to make or it's one of those major crossroads decisions. Um, Maybe it's just a change in your financial picture and, and, and things are kind of thrown for a loop and you're wondering, God, what are you doing? in the middle of all of this, or, 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 um, or, or maybe it's a diagnosis that you received and you, it's kind of devastating and you're wondering, how am I going to address this with faith? Um, sometimes, sometimes God speaks to us um, through reading of his word, and, and there's just uh, those times when just this, this passage just pops out at you, this sentence pops out at you, and you realize God is saying something to you, and you, and you need to respond in some way to that, and sometimes it comes through a sermon, believe it or not. Um, I've actually had, I, I actually, a number of years ago now, I actually had someone come to me and said, you know, honestly, did you have a microphone in our living room last night? Because what you were talking about was exactly what God was saying to me. And I wish I could take credit for that, um, but I can't. And, and it's, it's interesting how God will speak in all kinds of different ways. And, and sometimes even it's an inner prompting. Just that, that you need to do something, you need to act in some way. You see a need, and, and it's like God is saying to you, you're the one to meet that need. That God is constantly speaking to us, and whether he's calling us to great tasks and, or, or just simple acts of obedience, how we respond and how we learn to hear his voice, so important. The Christmas story is full of God speaking. If you read through the different versions of it in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, you find God is speaking. To, to Mary, he speaks through an angel. To Joseph, through a dream. Uh, to, the, to the shepherds, it's a whole choir of angels, you know, bright lights and all that. And, and to the wise men, it's just a simple star. But God is speaking. And this Christmas season, what I want to talk about is how God speaks to you and to me. And more importantly, how we respond. Because really, when God speaks, he always leaves the choice up to us, how you respond, how I respond in faith to when God speaks. So that's what we're going to look at through this Christmas season this year. And we're going to start with Mary. And if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 1, a very familiar story. Many of you have probably heard or read many times. 
But let me read it to you again. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, a little background here, which you need to understand is this gospel, this one of the four gospels that we call them, um, was written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a Gentile, okay? Luke was not one of the eyewitnesses. He was not firsthand experienced like Matthew and John. He wasn't one of those 12 disciples. He actually came to faith in Christ uh, a number of years later. But he says in the beginning of his gospel, it's actually a letter that he's writing to a guy named Theophilus, another God seeker. And he's writing to him and he says, I, I am writing this to put an orderly account I have carefully investigated from the eyewitnesses themselves. And I'm putting this together to tell this story, this account, for you to better understand what this story of Jesus is all about. And so he wasn't a firsthand uh, eyewitness, but he interviewed them. And, and quite likely, if Mary was still alive, she was one of the people that he interviewed. And so he gives a lot of detail about Mary and her response and her thoughts and her feelings. And you'll find this throughout Luke's gospel. And so what we have here is, is Luke telling this story that he has heard maybe even firsthand from Mary as she told it and how it happened to her. And, and when she hears God speaking to her through this angel... She has a response that, that is probably similar to most of our responses. And, and, and how do you respond when God speaks to you? And I think most of us, we respond this way, that our first response is usually uncertainty. Because when God speaks and he calls us to step outside our comfort zone, when he tell, calls us to take a new step of faith, um, that means it's going to be changing. And, and when things change, we don't like that. And so usually our first response when we have this sense that maybe God is speaking to me or calling to me or asking me or, 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 or challenging me to a new step of faith, the first response that I usually have is uncertainty. I remember 27 years ago, the first time that the pastor of our church in San Francisco, Bethel Christian Church, came to me and asked me if I would consider, if I was ever interested in planting a new church. And my first response was, no, <laughs> I have no interest in that whatsoever. You know, and then he said to me, well, would you at least pray about it? Well, you can't tell your pastor, who is also your boss, that you're not going to pray about something. So I said, I would. But my first response was, no, nah, that's not for me. I, I, honestly, I will tell you the truth. 
my perception of church planters, those were guys who went to start churches because they couldn't pastor real churches. Okay, that was kind of my, my feeling about it. And so my, my first response to him was, no, I'm not interested in that at all. But over a period of time, as I did begin to pray about it and began to think about it, and my wife and I started talking about it and looking at it, things started to change. Our first response is usually uncertainty. That's how Mary responds. It says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, I would dare say that would probably be most of our reactions if an angel showed up at your door today. You would be greatly troubled about that, and you'd wonder what this is all about. Now, that word wonder actually is really interesting because um, it, it literally, the, the Greek word is dialogizo, okay? Four years of Bible college, that's what you get, all right? Um, but the word, it's actually where we get our English word dialogue, and it means to, to converse or to think through Um, to talk through. And and it's a word that's actually found often about Mary. It's often translated pondered. But it's it's, it's a reason thinking through, okay, what is going on here? It's actually an accounting term. And it has to do with adding up and reconciling the books. And this doesn't make sense to me. And yet, it seems so real. Was that an apparition? What is all of this? And that's usually how we first respond. And the point of that is that, that faith is not irrational, blind acceptance. Faith is reasonable. Soren Kierkegaard, um, a great Danish philosopher, Danish, by the way, um, he, he, he kind of coined this term. Actually, he, the term was kind of trans, mistranslated, but it talks about this leap of faith. Actually, he said a leap to faith. And the idea was there is a point at faith at which there is this gap and, and, and it can't be fully explained, but, but they're up to a point. There's an understanding. There's a, there's a rationality to it. But at some point, there is still a leap. And sometimes people have talked about that. It's just this blind leap out into nowhere. But, but that's not what he was talking about. In fact, Francis Schaeffer kind of clarified it. He said, it's like if we were all hiking together in the Alps and, 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 and a snowstorm came in and, and, and the deep fog covered us and we found ourselves walking up to a ledge and we got to the ledge and we didn't know where to go from here. And we heard a voice, maybe 10, 15 feet below us saying, it's okay, if you just jump, you'll be safe. Now you would have some questions about that. <laughs> but he says, if you recognized the voice and the accent, and you, you realize that this was someone who knows the area and lives around here, and they know what they're talking about. And if they said, you know, if you will just simply hang over the edge and drop, it's only a 10-foot drop, and you will be safe. If you knew them, if you recognized them, you would take that step. You would take that leap. And, and what I love about Mary's response is, that she doesn't just write it all off. Like, well, this was just a hallucination. She, she thinks about this. She ponders it. And, and what the thing is, is see, God understands your hesitancy. And so he gives you affirmation. One of them is this. The angel of the Lord said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. 
that God is, is doing something here, and, and you can trust him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is doing something here, which means for you and me that you can take steps of faith even if you have questions. Because faith doesn't answer all of the questions, but you can still take that step. See, there's two types of doubt. There is the doubt that refuses to find the answers. There's a doubt that rejects any answer given. But there's a second kind of doubt. It is the doubt that sets us seeking for answers. And that's a good, healthy doubt because it keeps us moving forward. And so Mary, with her question, simply asks this, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, what I want to say is this cannot be, isn't what she says. She says, how will this be? There's a doubt there. There's questions. There's still hesitation. But it's a kind of doubt that says, I want to know more. Which kind of takes us to this second part of taking this step of faith. Is that at some point, with our questions and our hesitations, with our uncertainty, we choose to believe. We make a decision about that. Because still there is that point at which there is this gap where we have to make a decision about it. And and even when we're given some of the answers, those answers don't answer everything. In fact, sometimes the answers just lead to more questions. Look look at what goes on. The angel answers her and says, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay. (laughs) That's an answer, but I'm not even sure what that means. And sometimes that's what it is. We still have those questions, and even the answers lead to greater questions. And yet, she's still given some assurances. The angel says to her, because no word from God will ever fail. See, Mary knows her decision in all of this is going to have lifelong ramifications. Nothing is going to be the same ever again. I, I do a fair amount of what, weddings. I've probably done over maybe close to 200 weddings over my life as a pastor, my ministry as a pastor. And, and I always do premarital counseling with couples. And one of the questions that I ask couples, one of the first questions I ask them when I meet with them is, so when you think about your future five years from now, 10 years down the line, what is it that you picture your life married together? What, 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 what picture? Because everybody's got these mental pictures of what's going, what it's going to look like. We're going to own our own house. We're going to have the white picket fence. We're going to have 2.5 children, you know, whatever it is. Um, but we have these dreams. For Mary, she knows that choice that she is faced with now is going to change whatever dreams and hopes that she had about her future because nothing's going to be the same. I've been reading a book called The Real Mary. It's written by a guy named Scott McKnight. He, said, he, he, he kind of goes through the history of it. He says, you know, Mary probably was somewhere in the age of 13 to 15 years old, a young to mid-teenager. She probably had hopes and dreams about her future. She knew if she said yes to this assignment that God was giving her, first of all, she knew what the implications it was going to be to hers, that she would be ostracized. She would be in Hebrew, sotah, an adulteress. She didn't know how 
Joseph would react because in those ancient times, when you were engaged, it was more than just you got a ring. It was like you were considered to be married. And so she would be actually thought of to be an adulteress. And her son, Jesus, to be born would be considered mamzer, which means illegitimate. And I wonder, I wonder if Jesus, years later, when the Pharisees bring to him a woman caught in the very act of adultery and the shame and all that she is facing, I wonder if he didn't think back to his mom and remember the heartache and the pain and all that she went through because she said yes to God. See, I think, I think Mary was the perfect mother for Jesus. So each new step of faith is going to require a decision on your part and mine. We may not be called to great things like maybe Mary was, but you know, she wasn't a great, well-known, influential person when she was called. She just simply made a decision to say yes. And, And you know, we do every weekend, we give people an opportunity to respond. Now, I know, I know when someone raises a hand or someone looks up or someone uh, makes some kind of indication that they have made a choice, I know that that is not the end of it all. I know that's just the beginning. But the choice becomes so important. If you think back over the last, just the last couple of months, the, the sermon series that we've gone through, and we've talked about this invitation life, we talked about just taking a risk and making an invitation, taking a risk and speaking out. And we ask people, you know, would you, just, would you just now begin praying for your friends and your family members that you want to see come to faith in Christ to discover the life that you have for you? Would you just be willing to make a decision to pray for that person? Would you be willing to take that risk and, and maybe speak up when the opportunity comes? Now, lots of people raised hands. But what it real comes down to is in those conversations, when that opportunity comes up, Will you do it? Now, the choice becomes important because it reminds us when the opportunity comes up. Just the last series we went through, we did a a series, talked about our finances and and the ABCs of financial freedom and how God designs us. And one of the things we did was we asked people to make a commitment, to make a decision, to try the tithe. And, you know, 150 people said in some way, shape, or form, we're going to do that. Now, we know You may or may not when it actually comes down to writing that check. But the decision becomes so important. It is, by the way, why baptism is so important and why we put such an emphasis on baptism around here. The the baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't get you any special privilege with God. Baptism is the choice. It's to stand in front of friends and family, your church family, and to say, I have made a decision. Because the decision is a very, very important part of that step of faith. It's not the end, but it's a very important part. So Mary makes a choice. And her choice is simply this. I am the servant of the Lord. May it be unto me according to your word. May it be unto me. In other words, prayer that Jesus would pray some 30-something years later. Not my will, but yours be done. You make the choice. And then what happens is your choice to believe grows into a wholehearted trust. 
Because that's what God wants. It, 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 God wants to move our faith beyond just skepticism and questions and doubts to, to make a choice about it. And then with that choice, what he wants is for that to move into the way that it affects every area of our life. That it affects our whole being. Look at what goes on. She goes and visits her, her uh, relative Elizabeth. And when she gets there, she finds further affirmation that things are exactly like the angel had told her. And she breaks out in this song. It's called the Magnificat. The song goes like this. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. My soul glorifies the Lord. From the depth of my being, I bought in. This is going to change my life. Life is not going to be how I imagined it. Things are going to be totally different, but I'm in wholeheartedly from the depth of my being. Because following Christ is not a self-improvement program. It is not part of the human potential movement. It is not a fix up your life and look better on the outside kind of a thing. It is a life-changing direction. And that's what he calls us to. And what happens is, when you make that commitment, you discover something very important. You discover how committed God is to you. See, why would Mary say yes to this assignment? I think because she knew her God. She knew he could be trusted. This is what she says. I love the message paraphrase. It says, he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And now generation after generation forever shall call me blessed of God. That what the angel had told her was true. And she made that choice with all those questions. And now she begins to discover that God has also made his commitment to her. That he saw me, a nobody. And he's done something incredible for me. And it ushered in something that changed the world. Now, we have a benefit that Mary didn't have because we're 2,000 years this side of that story. And we can read through Scripture how God was faithful and how he worked and story after story throughout Scripture of people who just simply said yes to God and found that their commitment to him was matched by his commitment to them. Tim Keller has written a book called Hidden Christmas. And I love this. I want to read this as we close. He says, despite the unique features of Mary's situation, we should all be amazed that we are Christians, that the great God is working in us. Every Christian is like Mary. Everyone who puts their faith in Christ receives the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so no one should ever be far from the astonishment that I, I of all people, should be loved and embraced by his grace. If you think Christianity is mainly going to church, believing a certain creed, and living a certain kind of life, then there will be no wonder or surprise about the fact that you are a believer. However, if Christianity is something done for you, and to you, and in you, then there is a constant note of surprise and wonder. See where the love and wonder comes from? Because he has done all this and brought us to himself. He has done it. So for someone, for if someone asks you if you're a Christian, you should not say, of course. There should be no of-courseness about it. It would be more appropriate to say, yes, I am. 
And that's a miracle. Me, a Christian, who would have ever thought it? And yet, he did, and I am his. Or, as Mary said, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Bow your heads with me. Wherever you're at in your faith journey, there is a next step for you. And it might be that you're kind of at a crossroads and you're facing a decision and you're not really sure what that decision should be. And it's really going to be a step of faith. You have this sense that God is calling you in, in this certain direction or to take this next step. And, and you've been hesitating. Maybe you've got questions about it. And it doesn't matter, like I said at the beginning, whether you are far along in this faith journey, you are just beginning it, or you are just in the investigating process. There is a next step of faith for you. It might be that big decision. It might be stepping out and serving in an area of ministry. It might be having to do with your finances. It might have to do with with baptism. And just saying, you know, I have never done that. It's an important next step. But what I want to leave you with today is that willingness to take that next step, whatever it might be. Whatever God's been dealing with you about, whatever he's been tugging on your heart about, whatever maybe he's been speaking to you about even this morning, just take the next step. And if you're here today and you're facing one of those kind of decisions and you would love some prayer with regard to that next step for you, I would love the opportunity to pray for you. And like we do every week, I'm going to give you a chance to let us know about your decision. If I could pray for you today in some way about your next step, would you just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, see you, look up, catch my eye, I want you to know I'm praying with you, with you, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, all right, yeah, 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 all right. Maybe for you it's a first step. Maybe for you it's that first step to say, God, I can't do this life on my own. I've got enough mistakes, enough failures, enough in my past to say, I can't do this on my own. And I I need your forgiveness because I've really made some bad mistakes. Would you in your grace favor me? Would you forgive me? Take my life. I'm choosing to follow you. And today, if that's a first step of faith for you, again, I want to pray with you as we close. Would you just, same thing, just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, catch my eye so I can pray with you. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to invite you to make this your prayer. Lord, you know what's going on in my life. You know what's brought me to this point. You know the things that you've been tugging on my heart about. You know the decisions that I'm facing. And whether it's a first time step of faith or or just a next step for me. God, I, I need you to do it in me. I need you to do it through me. I'm saying yes to you. And I pray, God, that you would take me just the way that I am. 
that you would forgive my past, my sin, that you would give me this new life and move me forward. Give me the courage and the strength to take my next step today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.